0: This is 100 Centuries. Why 100 Centuries? Because it covers all of human history and then a little bit more. So welcome to episode one. I am Connie B. Dowell and...
1: I am Stephen B. Dowell.
0: And today we're going to talk about Franz Ferdinand. And if you are listening to this episode on the day that this podcast launches, then you will be listening... On the hundredth anniversary of his assassination,
1: so Franz Ferdinand was a very interesting fellow, as we've done some research. Since it is the hundredth anniversary coming up tomorrow, um, or today, I suppose. Yeah, if you're listening <laughs> to
0: it, it actually launches today. Yes. Um.
1: So, um, as you, as most people know, he was assassinated in 1914 uh, in Sarajevo. Uh, which is what is now day modern Bosnia. Um, back then, Syriovra was, of course, part of the Austrian-Hungarian Empire.
0: Yeah. Um, so, before we get to his death, um, because he's... It's kind of weird to, to to talk about a guy who's most famous for dying yeah. um, and starting the First World War. But, like anybody, he had a whole life ahead of him before that happened. Um... So, to get started, he was born in 1875, and he was never really intended to be, um, if you can say intended when you're talking about heirs, intended to be the heir to the Austro-Hungarian Empire.
1: Uh, no, he was actually the nephew of Franz Joseph, who was the current emperor when he was born. Um, later on, what happened was Franz Joseph's own son, who is...
0: Yes, his own son, Rudolf.
1: Rudolf. There we go. Um, Um... Committed suicide when he was uh, in his twenties, uh, which actually launched Franz Ferdinand's father uh, to become Arab uh, presumptive. But Franz Ferdinand's father almost immediately um, abdicated in favor of Franz Ferdinand. Yeah,
0: and shortly afterward, he died of typhoid. So he, you know, even if that abdication had not stood, um, he was never gonna uh, be the emperor, or at least not for very long.
1: So, um, so Franz Ferdinand. Uh, in his mid-twenties, was actually thrown into this role. He never was was brought up this way. He was never intended to be uh Austro-Hungarian emperor. Um, so for you know most of his life, he just lived like a normal, noble person at the time.
0: Yeah. Um, and that actually, that upbringing, um, he, not quite like a normal, noble person, as a Habsburg... He was kind of insulated, um, but he still didn't have the same training that an heir to the throne would have. Um, but one might argue that his isolated upbringing really contributed to his, you know, eventual character. A lot of the stress he had um, as a young man, and the way that people saw him, because he, in his during his lifetime, he was not even close to. Um, you know, universally loved by the public. People kind of thought of him as very cold. Um, but he was really very shy and not used to to crowds. And I think that was a big shock for him when he became the heir and people were paying attention to him.
1: Uh, he was known for being, yes, he was known for being cold. He was known for being quite private and reserved. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, people who did know him Um, ...described Franz as being a... ...having a fantastic personality. Uh, Someone who, if you did actually get to know him... ...you really liked being around. Uh, He also... um, ...was very clever... um, ...and described as being... um, ...you know, as as you would look at him... ...and, you know, there's a lot more going on... ...you know, in his mind that they led on to. Um, And really, this is something that... ...you know, um, kind of follows him throughout his life... ...that he was a lot more talented than uh, people were led to believe.
0: Yeah, and that's part of his being really reserved. um, uh, That he didn't want people to get close to him. And indeed, as we are about to discuss, he had a very good reason to be so darn reserved. Um, And that was because of the love of his life, Sophie Chotak. Um,
1: So, Sophie um, is an interesting woman in her own right. Uh, and one that actually got Franz Ferdinand in a lot of hot water, uh, because she was not um, a, a she was a noble, but she was not in the upper nobility uh, like mm-hmm. Franz was. Yeah, uh, which caused problems because under Austrian-Hungarian law at the time, Franz had to be married to uh, another uh, the, the either someone related to or someone within the ruling house of another European court.
0: Yeah, or, or another Habsburg. So they had this narrow spectrum of people that you could marry. Um, and as you can imagine, after a few generations, that's not the best way to spread your seed.
1: No, and, and in fact, uh, in, in fact, um, people like, um, to give you an idea who else was in this narrow pool, you had people like Queen Victoria, you mm-hmm. had uh, the Tsar in Russia, um, you also had people like... Um, Kaiser Wilhelm II who was actually uh related um and this sort of narrow gene pool actually lead to led to increased rates of hemophilia amongst the uh European nobles so not yeah. something that's good in fact to this day uh that along with cystic fibrosis is still high in the European population because of that
0: yeah so um it caused lots of genetic problems and even um as he he sort of pondered who to marry? Franz um, Ferdinand made some statements to that effect that you know people who marry within the circle and kind of perpetuate this culture of inbreeding, you know their children are and I believe the quote was something to the effect of like idiots or feeble um, <laughs> that you know they don't grow. There's just such a high rate of of genetic problems that comes with it. So, um,
1: but uh, anyway, getting back to the matter of hand. Franz Ferdinand met Sophie, if I remember correctly, in court in Spain, actually. He was visiting um, the Spanish court and encountered her there. Was it Spain? I believe so. Um,
0: I know she was in the employ of a fellow Habsburg um, archduchess Archduchess Isabella, but I didn't know that that they were in Spain.
1: Oh, uh, I had the read time. that they met but she in was,
0: Spain. she was a lady-in-waiting. Yes. Um, and she kind of had, though she, she was a countess in her own right, her family had kind of come on some hard times, both of her parents were deceased, um, and she still had young sisters that she, you know, so she took up this position, um, get some independence and to help take care of them, um, and contribute, and so that her brothers don't have to, right. you know, bear all of this, um. I think she took up that position before the last parent died, but but nevertheless, that was that was her situation. Um.
1: But uh, anyway, so she and Franz had met, and for Franz, it was it was kind of love at first sight, if, if it really was, and he really spent uh you know two years courting her, uh, basically. Um, half in secret, half just because he was a reserved person mm-hmm. and didn't want his relationship to be in the limelight.
0: Yeah. Um and um Arch the the Archduchess Isabella who employed Sophie, her goal was to get Franz Ferdinand married to her daughter, um, so that she would be Empress. And she really she 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 seems pretty clear that she knew what was going on and she even kind of used Sophie's presence to lure him places and she would invite him somewhere and say oh and by the way the Countess is gonna be here too um so she knew what was going on but she I guess she didn't believe that that he would violate these rules of marriage yes.
1: Franz was always known for being a man of strong convictions and um Mainly, doubly so, in fact, incredibly so when it came to family matters. And it was very clear after about two years worth of time that um, Franz wanted to marry Sophia. They had been having a relationship for a while um, and, and Franz wanted
0: mm-hmm. her
1: to be his wife. Uh, this obviously did not go down well
0: yeah, uh, with the um, emperor at the time. <laughs> it was actually kind of a, a weird situation that um, he you know, people had heard about this affair and were kind of making gossip about it. And um the Emperor and some of his staff were, were taking the attitude of, Well, let's con let's confront Franz Ferdinand and say, you know, these things happen but we just need to brush this under the rug and they were kind of shocked when he came out and said, Oh yes, I'm I'm in love with her. I've not been having an affair in terms of it seemed like in terms of sexual relations, but you know, I'm I'm dating her and I wanna marry her. Um, <laughs> this, so that was again, not expected
1: uh, This actually uh, started to drive a wedge Into the courts um, of, of uh, Austria-Hungary To the point where um, the Pope at the time And the King of Spain ended up interceding On France's behalf mm-hmm. um, To let the Emperor know Hey, y- you can't keep this up This is going to tear the kingdom apart um, You've got to let Franz marry this woman
0: yeah, so he w- he was just doggedly determined to marry her, and he did get his way, but with some reservations. In fact, a really big reservation. Yes. Um, because this was what was considered a morganatic marriage, meaning a marriage between unequal parties. Um.
1: So, uh, because of that, um, Sophia was never recognized. <laughs> As to be empress in her own right, under under um, Austro-Hungarian law, she was always going to be considered a consort of uh, Franz Ferdinand um, and not at equal standing. Sort of the same way that Camilla today is considered Prince Charles's consort, yeah. not going to ever be queen in her own right. Um, so, in that regard, um, you know that's what happened. It also meant some other things at state events she couldn't be with Franz Ferdinand. Yeah. They they had to appear at, at different levels. She couldn't ride in the royal carriage with him, and more importantly, her children with him mm-hmm. were not considered heirs in the Habsburg line.
0: Yes, um, and they had to be given a different last name, Hohenberg, which was, it was a name that was associated with the family, but they, her, their family would not be Habsburg's. Yes. Um
1: as you could imagine, this would have been um highly unusual and also too um kind of a bit how should we say a slap in the face to someone who is literally going to become emperor one day
0: um. <laughs> yeah um, but the slaps in the face continued as they prepared for their marriage um, just and and they they got it done too quick too, so just days after Franz Ferdinand um, took an oath saying, I agree that this is a morganatic marriage, my wife can never be empress, my children will never inherit the throne, um, and I will never try to go back on this agreement. So, just a a matter of days later, they were getting married, and the emperor um, sort of embraced like a very minor, noble person who had had died and decided okay everybody's gonna be in mourning now so they can't attend the wedding um
1: so none of Franz Ferdinand's family came um, um her family showed up but yeah. his did not so some just-
0: of her family did her brother did not because there had been threatening notes about him losing his um civil service possession um and there were members of of Franz Ferdinand's family that did defy the emperor and come just his stepmother and his two half sisters. Um, and they really kind of were his, his, his rocks for the rest of his life. Um,
1: so, uh, so, but Franz was, was, um, very, very devout to his wife, uh, loved her dearly and, you know, went through all this really humiliation for her, so you know, in the end, you got to give the man props for for sticking by his convictions, really sticking it to yeah. um, this this elite. Which, if you the more you hear about Franz Ferdinand, again fits in with his character. He was not the type of guy who particularly enjoyed or liked this sort of noble, um, this sort of noble lifestyle.
0: Yeah, he was much more private, and in private, it seemed that they had a really happy, kind of healthy marriage and a healthy environment for their kids growing up. That, unlike many um, other nobles at the time, that would you know kind of send their children away to to um, to stay in the care of nannies and they only saw their their kids like at tea time. Um, they had a much more modern um, idea of what a family should look like.
1: I'm definitely um, definitely a much happier home life um, yeah. brands was there for his children um, and so was was his wife and his children were around him constantly
0: yeah so despite it all they they you know neither one of them ever said had any expressed any regrets about it um, and said that the marriage was the best thing they'd ever done um, but despite their happy home life he um, snobs have to be snobs um and so they you know they made all kinds you know the aristocracy made all kinds of excuses to invite friends to things and make it weird for Sophie to attend she would have to be the last person um to walk into the ballroom on one occasion she, she was last walking into the ballroom and she really took all of this in stride with a lot of dignity um but on one occasion, she she went arrived at the ballroom, saw that she had no escort, and just sort of hesitated at the door, and blushed, and then went away and went home, um, and did not know what to do, so she just left. Um, and this was really masterminded by um, uh, Prince de Montenuovo, who was. Um, Uh, very much the higher-up guy in Emperor Franz Joseph's um, court. And he seemed to have really gone out of his way to try and make things difficult for Franz and Sophie. He really did not like them. And the emperor pretty much condoned this. And he spent lots of time doing this instead of, you know, actual imperial business. Yes. Um,
1: Well, that's also, too, the emperor and Franz Ferdinand um, really did not get along. In fact, um, the, the royal butler described every time the two got together, they would go in private and it would turn quickly into a shouting match. They did not see eye to eye on any political issues. They did not see eye to eye uh, when it came to just the philosophy of life. And just in general, they really despised each other and only worked together because of bloodlines.
0: Yeah. Um, and even then, didn't work together Together, all that much. Um, Franz Ferdinand established basically his own cabinet to try and get information because the emperor would not give him key information, which maybe is not the best thing to do to the person who's going to take your job one day. Um, but, but. They, they did not like each other, <laughs> yeah, but That's it, just what it didn't turn out, but um, they, they really didn't like each other, and part of this is, um, Now, France Ferdinand's politics are are really, well, we can look back on it with a historical eye and kind of get a sense of where he was going. At the time, people had wildly varying views on what they thought he actually believed. The emperor thought he was radically liberal, he was gonna change a lot of things, The vast majority of the public, it seemed, thought that he was reactionary and extreme conservatism, and they were afraid he would be, you know, the Emperor Franz Joseph II, but even more intense. Um, In
1: reality, though, Franz Ferdinand's views were probably fairly progressive, um, or actually I shouldn't say fairly, they were incredibly progressive for the time. Um, He saw the writing on the wall long before a lot of other people did. Um, and while it was, it's a generally known fact that most of these European countries understood that World War I was going to happen, it was just a matter of when, uh, France was one of the few who thought that it was a bad idea and was actively trying to take steps to uh, disarm and also, too, to basically cool the uh, hot relations between nations. Um, he thought the alliance with Germany was going to be Austria-Hungary's ruin, Um, He also thought Austria-Hungary's internal connections were also going to be its ruin and wanted to fundamentally change the way the country um, worked, basically. Uh, He was in favor of having more of a federal system, which at the time was incredibly um, revolutionary in thought.
0: Yeah, so um if that's what Franz Joseph was afraid of, then maybe <laughs> maybe he was correct in his assessment, but um uh, doubly so because a lot of oh. a lot of other people thought that that Franz that Franz Ferdinand and his ideas um they, now these weren't folks in the majority, but there were people who thought Franz Ferdinand and his ideas were going to save the monarchy.
1: Yes. Uh furthermore, too, uh, Franz Ferdinand and this is kind of one of the ironic twist of it all. Recognized fairly early on that the way Austria-Hungary treated um, ethnic populations was not working out and that it was causing instability Mm -hmm. rather than um, helping the nation. So he was so even though he didn't like some ethnic groups um, he was all in favor of giving them rights and autonomy and at the same time of fostering um, better relations between them. Uh, For example, his views on on the Serbs of Austria-Hungary was that they should probably get the autonomy they wanted, Um, which, as you'll figure out later on, is a great irony in what happened.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Now, that's not to say he wasn't without his prejudices. Um, As a young man um, in the army, he spent time in Hungary, and the experience there really kind of um, prejudiced him against Hungarians to to a degree, but he seems to... For for his time again now, this none of this is really great. But for his time, he seems to have been less bigoted than most people. He, in a way <laughs> I know.
1: he really did not like Hungarians. I will I will tell you I will say that. Um, and some of the words he has for them are used to say not repeatable. Uh, yeah. But at the same time, he understood their importance to the empire and also understood. Um, You know, that even though he didn't like them, he had to work with them. And therefore, um, he tolerated um, their presence much more than other people would have in his position.
0: Okay. Um, Now, this seems like a good point to start talking about gossip and rumor. And people tend (laughs) the weirdest because, um, and partially because, Franz Ferdinand and Sophie were so private. Um, they they would not stay in Vienna as much as possibly they should have for public opinion, and I can see why that they didn't feel welcome <laughs> in Vienna. They would want to um, retire to their to their castles in Artstetten or in Konopist. Um But people came up with all kinds of weird stuff. Like, they would say um, that they were terrible employers and they drove their servants crazy. Although, after after Franz and Sophie died, um, the servants actually stayed with the family and and were in the employ of the children. Even though you know they totally, it, that was would have been a good time to to bow out. Um, no,
1: none of these rumors. Yeah, were true. none of these
0: rumors were true. It seems like they that, you know, they they were pretty decent employers. They had a happy home life. Um, one of the weirdest rumors um, that I read about was. The parrot. Did you hear about the parrot? I did
1: not hear about the parrot. All right, I want to hear about you get parrot. to hear about the
0: parrot. <laughs> okay, this is so ridiculous. I mean, this is such um, Edwardian tabloid. Um, but the parrot. So the rumor was that someone had caught a parrot that had escaped from um, Franz Ferdinand and Sophie's household. And the parrot repeated lots of words that apparently had been said in front of them. Um, Words like... uh, Words like, when will the emperor just die? And things (laughs) like that. And ridiculous stuff. Um,
1: (laughs) Ridiculous of the fact that, too, Franz Ferdinand really did not want to be emperor. Um, This was a position he was thrown into and he kind of didn't like. But was doing because it was... His, his job
0: mhm um now while people were still pretty snobby there started to be a gradual I can't say acceptance but less snobbiness <laughs> um eventually uh eventually uh, Sophie was elevated from the whole the title of like your serene highness to just highness and and she didn't have to be the last person in the room um, and part of this acceptance seems to stem from the fact that even before other Austro-Hungarians realized this, other countries were realizing, hey, this guy is going to be emperor someday. Franz Joseph is pretty old, so it's probably someday soon. Maybe we should be nice to this guy. And the best way to get him on our side is to treat his wife nice.
1: Yes. And, and so they they did... Towards the towards later on, allow her to do things like walk with him. Yeah. And ride in the same carriage as him and things of that nature. Which again not
0: constant humiliation.
1: Again, we'll come back um, to uh we'll come back to later yeah. at a certain event.
0: But Franz Joseph <laughs> or not Franz Joseph, Franz Ferdinand made some um made some rather powerful foreign friends. Um so ruler of Romania. Um
1: The Pope. (laughs) (laughs) The Pope. Um, (laughs) Big supporter, for Big supporter.
0: Um, At uh, King George and Queen Mary of England. Um, Kaiser Wilhelm. And this brings us to the biggest rumor of all. The rumor that would not die for decades. Um, At one point, Kaiser Wilhelm who ended up being, like, Franz Joseph's best buddy. So it's kind of ironic that, that Fra- or not I, Franz Joseph, that Franz Ferdinand's best buddy is kind of ironic that he thought that the alliance with Germany would prove problematic. He did, um, but, but
1: yes, there is a he, irony. There that. is a little <laughs> irony.
0: But at some point, um, Kaiser Wilhelm II came to visit um, Franz Ferdinand at Knopist, and which I hope I'm pronouncing correctly. This is the best I can do. Um, but he came to visit him, and they had like, you know, a, a time of like hunting and doing stuff and basic, you know, diplomacy, good friend, friendly stuff. Um, but the rumor has it that while they were there, and of course they were chatting over political matters, the rumor that would not die was the Pact of Konopisht. the Pact. Canopished was where they basically Plotted out the First World War
1: Which again is a ridiculous Concept. There is
0: no evidence of that And indeed there is tons of evidence Of planning the First World War In many other Cases but I have have not Read anything saying Franz Ferdinand Was involved in planning that war at all On any With anyone on any side.
1: Everything I have read Um, Actually suggests the opposite that Franz Ferdinand was trying to prevent it From happening in the first place now, Kaiser
0: Wilhelm, on the other hand, was, was gung-ho. Yes,
1: very gung-ho <laughs> He doesn't it, seem to have but,
0: talked to Franz Ferdinand about it, though. Yes.
1: But uh, then again, a lot of other European powers were gun ho about it. They had been basically setting up and building the arms for it since the 1870s. They, they yeah, assumed this was since, going to happen. Everyone knew this was going arm. to happen. Um, it was just a matter of time.
0: Uh, but anyway, that was the rumor that w- that would never die, that, of course, the Allied press you know when the war began really kind of latched on and and um of, and of course they loved that one um but um moving on to other political matters that are a little bit more related to um the eventual end of franz ferdinand um so let's talk about the annexation of bosnia and Herzegovina.
1: so uh obviously um this was probably a. It was a high hot button issue at the time. Yeah. Um, the Balkans were uh, as they as they were as again throughout most of history, as as people know, especially um, anybody who's lived through the nineties remembers. The Balkans were always a hot a hotbed for unrest. There's a lot of different groups, you know, that intermix there, and um, because of that, you know, there's there's a lot of unrest at times. Um, <laughs> And the annexation of bosnia and herzegovina um, basically started a lot of internal conflict within the austrian-Hungarian Empire yeah uh, specifically against uh, the Serbians against everybody else
0: okay so basically um since the Rus- Russians war with the Ottoman Empire um Bosnia and Herzegovina had been under Austrian administration. Um, Now, there had been noise from Serbia and from the Ottoman Empire that they they wanted to get those lands back. And that was what prompted um, Austria to to kind of push for annexation to prevent those lands from being taken over by Serbia or um, the Ottoman Empire. Now, at first... Franz Ferdinand was adamantly against this proposition. Um, and this was one of the shouting matches he had with Franz Joseph. Um, and indeed, in arguing with some officials, while he normally kept Sophie out of political matters, he was so incensed that he, he actually went and got her and brought her in the room and said, you help me explain why this is a bad idea. <laughs> um, but ultimately, of course, you know, uh, the emperor was in favor of this. There were lots of arguments that, well, if we don't do this, what's going to happen to Bosnia and Herzegovina? Um, and ultimately, Franz Ferdinand kind of very reluctantly said, all, all right, the, I, I can see why we're doing this. And, um, and eventually it was annexed. Now, of course, this didn't make a lot of the Bosnian serbs very happy
1: no that that did not um and that caused the rise of a group called the black hand uh which was an organization basically set to undermine and attack the austrian hungarian empire at any opportunity they had
0: india and they were very closely tied with the serbian government even to the point that it's really hard to distinguish whether certain acts were being done in official capacity by the Serbian government and which acts were being done outside of the capacity of the government and in the capacity of the Black Hand.
1: Right. Um, basically, it sparked off a shadow war between Austria Hungary and mm-hmm. Serbia.
0: Um, while this is all going on, Franz Ferdinand is planning a trip to Bosnia. <laughs> It was not his idea. It was the emperor's idea. And it was the idea of the governor of Bosnia and Herzegovina, Potiorak, who was very insistent that he come and observe army maneuvers and visit um, important places like Sarajevo.
1: Yes. The idea was that by bringing the the crown prince to Bosnia um, for a visit, um it was sort of the idea that it would it would show solidarity between Bosnia and Austria Hungary, and also too to kind of solidify Austria's position there. So in a way it's sort of like the same way that we'll send the vice president to places um in order mm-hmm. for on diplomatic missions.
0: Yeah. So this was a diplomatic visit that um Potiorek was was really gung ho about. Um and France Ferdinand was like trying to get out of it three or four times um but he he you know ultimately i think he was he was kind of worn down all right, I'll go, and he was bringing sophie um and it seems like Sophie wanted to go not because she really wanted to go but because it was a dangerous place, and she wanted to be by her husband's, by her side. husband's side um It was also a big deal that Sophie was allowed to go um Sophie wasn't allowed to go on all diplomatic missions. So, um,
1: this again, you know, was
0: yeah. So that was another impetus that that Sophie would get some recognition. Um, Now, in the planning for this trip, um, Potiorek seems to have been, if not intentionally, I mean, just really, I just completely negligent people were telling him about security measures he should do you need to clear the streets when they come down here no we don't need to do that um you need to 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 have basically a police kind of scout out and make sure that you don't have people coming in suddenly to the country or to the city um there, there were lots of security measures that he just rejected, uh, and he got really mad about it and, and said something to the effect of, like, what do you think Sarajevo is full of assassins? Um, uh. <laughs> interesting. But that, you know, and the chief of police told him, um, you know, you need to have, we need to have all of these policemen out here and... He said no no this is not your responsibility this is a military responsibility but he still wasn't deploying troops um or having troops not deploying but having troops on hand like like people told him to um meanwhile the visit to sarajevo was planned for saint vitus day um and saint vitus day is a serbian national holiday um marking the Battle of Kosovo in 1389, um, in which the the Turks really overtook the Serbs. And and this was a day that, you know, it seems like a strange day to make a holiday, but it was like a holiday of anger, a holiday yes. of, of people wanting revenge. It
1: was basically like a, a uh, it was very much a Serbian national day that unified around this event from that Battle of Kosovo. And so to have so t- the Austrian-Hungarian heir visit come on that <laughs> day um, was sort of a big slap in the face to the Serbians. This was d- not a good idea.
0: Yeah, and when you think about the planning of this visit, like, this never... I can see why, you know, a lot of the Austrians maybe wouldn't know about this day. But the people on the ground in, in Bosnia, the, the, nobody said, hey, wait a minute, maybe this shouldn't happen on St. Peter's Day.
1: But, unfortunately, it did.
0: <laughs> it did. And, so, when when they got there, and they got there, you know, they'd been there for several days before the visit to Sarajevo, and things seemed to be going well at first. They're visiting lots of places, and friends, Ferdinand and Sophie even kind of thought, you know, when talking to other people, said, well, look, everyone's been so happy and so inviting, I don't, you know, we were so worried, but maybe we were wrong to be worried. Um, at which point, um, the, the the that chief of police is basically said, I, "I will be, I will share your sentiments when you are safely back in Austria." <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> but in the meantime, over in Serbia, what has been happening?
1: They've been planning um, an attack.
0: Yes, the Black Hand. Um, it seems like the the plot. It doesn't seem like the plot did start um, with a very small group. Um, Gavrilo Princip and a few others, and they were an offshoot group of the Black Hand. But eventually, um, Serbian officials got wind of the plot, and then they had been also plotting, and so the two plots sort of merged, and they trained these guys, these terrorists essentially um, to, to do this assassination they equipped them um, with weapons they equipped them with um, little bottles of cyanide to take yes. after they had done their job um, and they helped escort them off into Bosnia. Bosnia
1: and that brings us to the day in question
0: yeah, uh, the day in question. Um, actually, let's back up a little bit before oh. that because I've got a weird little tidbit. Tidbit. Just a couple tidbit, of days tidbit. before, um, the visit to Sarajevo, um, that one of the conspirators, um, Njegelko, um, Cheb- Chebrinovich, Chebrinovich, That was how it's pronounced. Um, was spotted. In a crowd lurking behind a tree near where Sophie was walking and he was known in that area and so somebody spotted him and reported him to the police and the chief of police um, said don't worry about it let him be now why did he say that because he his father was an Austrian spy and he thought That it wasn't the son; it was the father who was going about his Austrian spy business. Mm. Um, Furthermore, a couple days before the official visit to Sarajevo, um, they'd actually taken like an evening trip down there and walked around the bazaars, again near some eventual potential assassins. um, You know, just like basically flirting with with death uh, (laughs) everywhere they go. Disaster. Yeah. So now so, the actual day The, the yeah. St. Vitus Day has arrived So
1: um, Franz Ferdinand's motorcade Starts to you know travel through Sarajevo and the Assassination plot um, Basically the thought of their attack Was to throw a grenade um, Into Franz Ferdinand's car um, Killing everyone inside uh, when, they, when they Sprained their trap they missed And they actually hit the car behind Franz Ferdinand's um, this allowed Franz Ferdinand and Sophia to escape, um, now at the expense of those behind them. Um, and so Franz Ferdinand's car took him to the official residence um, they were going to be staying at. And Franz Ferdinand was, we also say, very unhappy.
0: Yeah, um, <laughs> he was scheduled to give a speech and um, someone was speaking before him. And, and either because he hadn't known what was going on or because he was rattled, he just kind of stuck to the prepared words. Um and it was, it was something to the effect of we were so happy to welcome you to Sarajevo. And at that point, Franz Ferdinand lost his temper, which was legendary by the way. Um he he did have a bit of a temper. Um even even his greatest supporters will admit he had a bit of a temper. Um so he lost it at that point. Um and said, I come to your city and you greet me with bombs. Um but then Sophie kind of like tapped her on the shoulder down and eventually he, he got it together and he gave a speech saying well I, I can see you all are very happy at the failed assassination attempt and I, I really appreciate um, this response so
1: then came a very fateful decision. Franz Ferdinand being the man of conviction he was decided that the proper thing for him to do at that point would be to break from the official schedule and go visit those who were in the car behind him in the hospital. Mm -hmm. Um, The problem with that was, this was a decision that he made um, that most people that, you know, his his detail was on board with. However, no one bothered to tell the driver.
0: Um, Actually, what I read was a little more complicated. Oh, okay. Um, So, so depending on your source, the truth might be different. Um, So, the other possible truth is that he wanted to do this... um, um, po- Potiorek got kind of fussy about it um, and you know, I think I believe from what I, I wasn't going to talk about this in the podcast but I believe from what I read that this was going to this either happened briefly or it was going to happen later mm. but Potiorek wanted them to continue on their schedule but he changed the route maybe he changed the route to go by the hospital
1: Right, that was what happened. That was it.
0: Yeah. That that was it. That was so. It wasn't like he was abandoning the route. He changed the Church. route, yeah. um, possibly to go by the hospital, and didn't tell the driver because that chief of police. Was, he he got the orders. He was freaked out and right. forgot to tell the driver.
1: So, the driver basically gets lost in Sarajevo, attempting to get to the next place, um, and this led to another fateful encounter where. As they're driving through the streets of Sarajevo, mm-hmm. trying to find their way, they pass by a cafe where...
0: Well, um, again, here's where our readings differ. Okay. Um, <laughs> and from my readings, um, so, you know, re- this is this is a historical lesson here. Read multiple sources because there, there are differences. There are differences. And in a high-stress situation like this, I'm not surprised that there are different accounts of what happened. Um, so according to this account, they started to make a turn. The driver's st- one car ahead, again, not knowing about the route turned the other car with, um, with Franz Ferdinand and Josie, uh, <laughs> Franz Ferdinand and Sophie also began to make that turn. At which point they said, wait, 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 this isn't where we're supposed to go. The driver stops they're kind of at this weird part in the road, so he can turn around. And it takes him a while to back up. And as they're doing that, then what is
1: The Assassin? And the
0: assassin, Gavrilo
1: Princip. Princip Um sees the car and um makes his faithful shots into it. Now Princip's story is also fairly interesting. Um, because when the assassination attempt failed, he ended up, he escaped. He tried to take a cyanide packs, but capsule, but he got an effective batch, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, after escaping basically by jumping in the river, um, he, uh, that's what I had read. He, mm. he, he, he basically was able to I had read
0: that, that about... About the assassin, uh, the other one, uh, the the assa- Chabinovich, oh. who threw the bomb. Then okay. he tried to get in the river, and he took the capsule.
1: Okay. But I, I the prince apparently took his capsule.
0: But, yeah, it did, not, did not, not
1: work. It did not work. <sniffs> and so kind of, kind of, he ended up just basically checking into a cafe, assuming that he was going to get caught and assuming that he was done for, and was basically sitting down to a lunch, a final lunch, if you will, when, lo and behold, serendipity... Franz, uh, Franz Ferdinand's car comes driving by him, and he sees his opportunity. He pulls out his pistol and he opens fire, um, and he actually shoots Sophia first, um, mm-hmm. and then and then Franz Ferdinand second.
0: Yeah, um, and from what I read, I mean, he would he he hadn't taken the cyanide at this point. Oh, that he took the cyanide after shooting. Um, originally his plan was to shoot the, the other conspirator who had taken his cyanide and it clearly didn't work, but he abandoned that and accounts differ on whether it was, um, he abandoned that because he thought, I still have a chance to, to get Franz Ferdinand or he abandoned it because he was afraid of being caught. Um, so
1: I had read that he, that he was basically kind of given up and figured he was toast. Um, Um, and that, uh, you know, it was really Serendipitous that he got His shot, well, his Yeah, it was definitely serendipitous <laughs> That
0: seems to be the 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 theme Throughout all the different accounts Is that he was not expecting Franz Ferdinand To be there, he just happened to be there And, and he, he happened to be ready
1: And opened fire So, uh, what happened was You know, the gunshots blazed Um Sophia was hit first. Uh, she was shot in the abdomen and immediately collapsed from the, from her uh, from her wounds. Um, and then Franz Ferdinand was shot also in the neck. And surprisingly, those in the car with him, his security detail, didn't realize what happened immediately. They thought Sophia had fainted due to the stress of everything that had been going yeah. on that day. Only Franz Ferdinand realized what happened immediately. Um, and his exact words were, Sophia, Sophia... You must live, think of the children.
0: Yeah. Um, now, some accounts will say that. Other people who were at present say they don't remember him saying anything like that. But again, that is to be expected in a high stress situation. Right. So, um, regardless, people thought Sophie was okay and that Franz Ferdinand was the only one to worry about. Um, meanwhile, he's floating in and out of consciousness. People are asking, does it hurt? And basically, he, he repeated over and over until he finally passed out for good. Was it is nothing? It is Never. nothing.
1: So, um, and when they realized what happened, um, yeah, they immediately start rushing to the hospital. Um, and it's very clear on the way mm-hmm. there that Sophia and him are not going to make it. Um, yeah,
0: it was it was definitely clear he was not going to make it, and it seemed from from some accounts that people still thought. Sophie is just passed out. Let's put her on a bed and take care of France Ferdinand, and then we'll check on her and make sure she's okay. But, of course, when they went to check on her, she'd been dead for quite some time. Yes.
1: In fact, uh, it was realized later on they had both died en route to the hospital. Yeah. In fact, it was assumed that she actually probably died first, um, um, although accounts differ on that as yeah, well.
0: Yeah, accounts differ on that. I've read some that say that... Friends, she died in the car, but he was still alive, not cling just clinging to life as they brought him in. He was like you know, spitting out blood but not conscious. Oh. And then eventually it's he stopped moving and they said the Archduke's someone in the room said, the Archduke's suffering is over.
1: It, it uh apparently too um Franz Ferdinand's um wounds apparently Um, Were exasperated by the fact That he was wearing a heavy military coat And from what I had read Was that if somebody in the detail Had a knife or a pair of scissors And would be able to cut the coat off of him They probably could have saved his life Um, Under normal circumstances The wound he received uh, If they could have stopped the bleeding Would have not been fatal However the way the coat was on him They could not do so Mm. And because of that He basically bled out his injuries were not um, not like Sophia's where the complications would have killed you. Yeah. His were more of an issue of, of, of blood loss, mm-hmm. which is what actually killed it.
0: Um, it's, that's interesting. Um, and one a fact that I did not discover, um, but I did discover, that it was also clothing that prevented people from realizing that Sophie was injured. It was her, the bodice <laughs> of her dress and the way that it, it laid that they didn't See the bullet hole, but I don't know that there would have been much they could do because it was internal bleeding that yes. killed her.
1: She was. Um, uh, it's kind of sad to say so, but she was. She was doomed the second she was. Shot. Yeah. She was. She was the There,
0: there really the time. wasn't a way to do that. And even, even when I when you read about like cutting the artery and the internal bleeding, even with modern medicine, it would have been really hard to save her.
1: Yeah, she was shot through the abdomen. There was no way she was going to survive. He could have survived, though, which was which was kind of the crazy thing about it. But again, for want of a pair of scissors, um, he he died. He died.
0: So, um, so now
1: aftermath. Aftermath.
0: <laughs> aftermath. Um, there are many, many sad stories about the aftermath. Um, yes.
1: Uh, probably the saddest was that Sophie was pregnant. Actually. With was another she? Killer. That's what I had read. That she was okay. with child and they were going to have, they were expecting.
0: I had read one account saying that, but then nothing else. And so I wasn't sure. And and indeed, she would have been 46. So it's not out in the realm of possibility.
1: But it would have been But
0: it would have quite. been very unusual. Oh. Um So she may or may not have been pregnant. And that would be very sad.
1: I do know um, that they're... They, they their burial site now this wasn't they're buried next to another child of theirs yeah' that had still died child. Early. um
0: and that affect that had affected them very deeply they yes. they were were you know like like any parents they were really mourning the loss of that fourth child that they had looked forward to so much
1: but uh there's a chance too that a fifth child was lost that day
0: yeah so so that is one um one potential sad thing that happened um the other is that they had three surviving children who were now without their mother and father, and in the precarious position of being morganatic descendants. And they didn't know. And those those poor kids, their whole world, not just that their their parents were gone, but even more so than most orphans in that situation, their whole world was completely stripped away.
1: Yes um because they were not considered Habsburgs um they they were denied um yeah. rights and inheritance that they, they should have been entitled to They they had to. to
0: leave the palace at, at Belvedere where they were living um and ended up of course they had they had many um aunts and uncles that made sure that they were taken care of um but they they were basically kicked out, kicked out. um and as the funeral preparations got underway and the funeral was well this is still like a pretty hefty funeral when you compare it to a normal person um, for Habsburg you know they they didn't do a lot of normal things they would do they didn't stop at churches the way they normally would and say prayers they had this really short like 15 minute ceremony in Vienna and they crammed it into a tiny church they turned away um, a lot of a lot of royalty from from around Europe who wanted to attend right. um and said, No, you can't they basically they denied him a state funeral, which is this yes. was the first time this had ever happened to a Habs- to an heir I to the Austrian throne.
1: I think it's also um telling too that he is not buried in the Habsburg crypt. He's no, buried he, at a private castle.
0: He chose that burial place when they had that stillborn child. Um that's where they were when when that happened, um, and he chose that so that he could be buried with Sophie. Yeah, right. but um, it's
1: still, it, it, it's, it's it's telling,
0: telling. Um, that they were they were going to deny that burial because of Sophie. Yeah. Um, furthermore, wow. um, Okay, more more <laughs> of, even after they're dead, more humiliation yes. is ha- heaped on this family. Um, you know, they turned away. The the, no state funeral it turned away foreign visitors kaiser wilhelm who was like
1: best buddies best
0: buddies and when the more i read about kaiser wilhelm the more like he really wanted friends and if you were friends with him he was your friend forever he was (laughs) determined (laughs) to come to that funeral he tried many times and the emperor turned him away um and so there were a lot of people who wanted to come that couldn't come, and they turned away a lot of the nobility, um, because they had this small church, um, they had a smaller coffin for Sophie. Everything was, like, smaller and lesser, um, than for her husband, but the very worst insult of all, their children were not allowed to attend the 15-minute funeral
1: Which is, of their parents. Uh absolutely disgusting yeah
0: it really is and they had to go into the chapel after it was done and apparently with their aunt who who had this apparently it was this really heartbreaking scene of them just just bawling in front of their parents coffins
1: because again they 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 were not deemed worthy
0: to go to the funeral
1: and they lost both parents in a single afternoon
0: so. yeah the okay here's, here's so the, a oh okay oh, here's here's a really sad part um really sad part get ready for tissues um so as they're leaving as they're leaving the church um after they've had this moment to say goodbye Sophie who was little Sophie um, the daughter who was only just not quite 13 Said it was good that they, that God had wanted them to die together, and this was a good thing because neither parent could have lived without the other one. Yep. I mean, yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty heartbreaking coming from a 12 year old orphan girl. Yes. But to be honest with
1: you, it's probably true. Um, Well, not probably, definitely true. So, but, um, so at least they are together forever. um, Very, at a private castle yeah. with, their Art with their child. At with
0: their child. And indeed, um, later, um, two of their children, the sons, were were buried in an addition in that same crypt. Yes. Um, in fact, the Franz Ferdinand's
1: children, those sons you mentioned... Whew, you they know,
0: had a rough life. They had a very
1: rough life. Um,
0: um, after
1: World War One, the Habsburgs did not fare very well. No, um, and...
0: While they'd and never been treated as Habsburgs before, before, suddenly they were conveniently Habsburgs and were ejected from their home in of Konopce. No, in, um, oh. in, in Czechoslovakia. In Czechoslovakia. Yeah, uh, which was now uh, Czechoslovakia. Yeah. It was once Bohemia.
1: Um, 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 so needless to say, they, they ended up... A lot of the Habsburgs ended up stateless, actually, Yeah. Um, due to this fact. But um, the Franz Ferdinand's two sons did end up in Austria. However... Uh, Kind of in the aftermath With the rise of Nazism um, And the annexation of Austria by Germany uh, Prior to World War II um, They did not fare well In fact um, Being in Habsburg was was Quite literally punishable by death um, Um, By the Nazis A lot
0: of them really fled But what really ticked the Nazis off
1: Was the fact that the Sons of Franz Ferdinand Were very outspoken against Nazism, and against National Socialism in general, um, to the point where they criticized um, pretty much everything about the Nazi Party's involvement in Austria, um, and were active in trying to keep Austria out of Germany. This did not end well for them. When Austria was annexed, they were immediately arrested and sent to the the consecration camp at the Kammel.
0: Yeah. Um, And the... Yeah, so they were, they were anti-Nazi. They were also pro-Reinstatement of um, the Empire um, under their second cousin, Otto, who was in exile at the in time. At the time. Um, but, but they believed for their whole lives, Otto was the emperor and he should be in charge. Um, um,
1: and Otto, who is a fantastically interesting yeah, individual, Otto will have be, to wait for another Otto podcast.
0: will have to get his own <laughs> podcast. Guys, Otto Otto is awesome. Otto is really interesting. Uh, Yes. Um, Um, But Otto did not become emperor. No. Um, In fact, Otto Otto was... was,
1: was, I don't think
0: Otto would have... Would have it.
1: No. In fact, actually, Otto was renounced it. In fact, he's the one who... He gives up the claims of the Habsburgs to the crowns of Austria and Hungary um, because of his knowledge. But needless to say... um, yeah, the Sons of Franz Ferdinand... Yeah.
0: Otto reminds me a lot of his great-uncle. Yes.
1: <laughs> um, the, uh, the, the Sons of Franz Ferdinand had a, a, a horrible time. They ended up in the, consecration, uh, the concentration cap at the Cal. Um, miraculously, they actually survived it. Yeah. Um, although um, their health was so poor coming out of it, they did not um, live much longer after yeah. World War II. Um,
0: Max the, the elder son um and the second child uh little Sophie was first Max was the second Ernst was the youngest um Max lived for 10 years longer um and he died in in his 50s um which uh, you know considering um considering you know, his his lifestyle you should, should have lived much longer should have lived, but but especially both because he,
1: other members had lived into their late 80s. In yes. fact, Otto lived to be 98.
0: Um, and little Sophie lived into her late 80s. Um, but she too was not as es- not did not escape the tragedy of World War II. Two of her sons were killed. One was killed in battle. The other just sort of disappeared for a long time, and they didn't find out until um, much much later that he had been a Soviet prisoner for years before he finally died.
1: And, uh, Ernst also, too, died early. Yeah. Um, again, both much these... Er- he
0: was yeah, the first. He was
1: the first. Both these individuals, um, basically their time in decal very much, uh, weakened them. In fact, yeah. they both had heart disease coming out of it and just were not...
0: They could just never bounce no, back from yeah. that. Uh, um, okay. Uh, before we move on, a weird story, um, that we're gonna take a trip back in time to Sophie, Max, and Ernst's childhood... After the assassination um at the trial chebrin expressed remorse and he said i wouldn't i didn't want to do it. I would never have done it if I thought that you know if I'd known that Franz Ferdinand was the father of a family, and um he said what he, the words he said to were to the effect that you know." I humbly apologize to his children and ask that they find it in their hearts to forgive us and Gavrilo Princip the leader was like ticked off; he was like jumping out of seat they didn't, he was not speaking for all of us um but the the children got word of this um and they drew up a letter, and Max and Sophie signed only Ernst refused to sign. Um, I don't blame him a bit, but they forgave him. They they said, "We I for, we forgive you for what you did." So, um, which you know, of, of all the heartbreaking things that really that is they that to. they that they could forgive, and it probably it probably you know gave them more peace in their life that they were able to forgive. I don't think I would have done it. I think I would have been Ernst. Yeah,
1: it would have been difficult, too. Anyway. Um, You know, I think one of the things, too, about the assassination, I think, that's ultimately ironic, is Franz Ferdinand was somebody who did not want World War I to happen, and the fact that World War I happened because of his assassination um, that sparked kind of just a domino effect of of, of countries declaring war against each other. Um, yeah. kind of a slap in the face to his legacy. I think the other irony about it was that if he had survived and, and did become emperor, which he would have happened in, mm-hmm. what, 1918 or 1917?
0: No, it was 16.
1: 1916, sorry.
0: 1916, middle, middle of the war. Middle, middle of the one war in 1916, he would have
1: become emperor. Um, He would have definitely kind of his first act as emperor would have been to completely de-escalate the situation and also to to move Towards a, a, a much freer, a much a looser confederation of Austrian-Hungarian states, Bosnia mm-hmm. and Herzegovina would have gotten their independence back. Um, the way Serbs were treated would have been um, totally different, and he would have moved to have basically a loose confederation where a bunch of the states would have ended up being autonomous under the the heading of Austria-Hungary. This was the plans that he had made up, and in fact. He had actually written these plans out with the idea being that this would be the case, to the point where Otto, um, hit the eventual successor, actually basically copied these plans of, um, for himself in the establishment of the EU, um, which again is a completely other story. But really, these yeah. ideas had started so, that early. The so, European Franz
0: Ferdinand, Ferdinand led to the European, European Union. Union ultimately
1: um, um, because if that's this not was weird, his idea. <laughs> That the only way to prevent, basically, World War I from happening was to, um, basically move to this sort of union system, um, and, and, um, you know, the world would have been a much different place, um, if people had bothered to listen to Franz Ferdinand. Yeah,
0: um, so, basically, after the assassination, um here's the chain of events that began to get started so um, people were ticked even if um, Franz Joseph was not particularly sad about his nephew's demise people were were mad that this happened to an heir to the throne and and people were mad who were um, Franz Ferdinand's supporters they they were really mad because they saw him as the savior of the monarchy Um, so Austria had to act And they sent um, Serbia an interesting set of demands that they wanted um, done to prevent assassinations and to rout out the conspirators. And Serbia really basically said said no. no. Um, But they said heck no um, (laughs) after consulting with Russia. Um, Now, at the time, nobody in Austria thought Russia would 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 intervene. Um, well, I, I, I should I should correct myself there, um,
1: because Bernie what I'm doing. <laughs> Franz Ferdinand maybe knew.
0: Um, there may have been people who knew. Um, before talking to the Serbians, um, the. Austrians also checked with an ally. They talked to Kaiser Wilhelm. And Kaiser Wilhelm is the one who said, oh, Russia will never bother to intervene. You will be fine. This will be... If you if it comes to war, this will be a localized conflict. And Well, Russia intervened. And this set off that chain, chain. of alliances.
1: Because when Russia intervened, yeah, France and the UK had to yeah. intervene. Yeah.
0: And And when, you know, Austria is um, in a war, then Germany is in a war, and And suddenly everybody is in a war. Yes.
1: And very quickly, very quickly, um, happy. Now, kind of the crazy thing about it was, to be honest, they used the assassination of Franz Ferdinand as an excuse. Because people had, were gung-ho for they this. They were gung-ho for this, and they had been preparing for it, like I said, for close to 50 years. So, I wonder how years.
0: much Kaiser Wilhelm was just just talking out of nowhere, or how much he was lying. He was lying. He, yeah, he was lying. He
1: was probably lying. Anyway, <laughs> uh, but that's what, what caused World War One to happen, and the rest is... As we should
0: say, history. Um, So here we can enter into speculation. um, Because people had been planning this war basically since the 1870s. They knew it was going to... Europe was a powder keg. Something was going to set it off eventually. And in fact, it was... Bismarck who said it'll be some damn thing in the The Balkans Balkans, like years before this ever the visit to Bosnia was ever conceived Um, so had the assassination failed it seems clear that eventually something would have led to World War I what that something is it doesn't really matter
1: it doesn't
0: but at but the same what, time,
1: too, the scale of it would have probably been a lot different because, yeah. had Franz Ferdinand ascended to the throne,
0: exactly, he was what definitely
1: if, a pacifist, and he definitely would have, been? would have would have had Austria-Hungary bow out. Now,
0: well, history would he later, have, well, he was best buddies with Kaiser Wilhelm, and would he, he really was, have abandoned that alliance? He, but Even at the same though he time, felt he, it was he dangerous. Was, he, had, he, had,
1: he was a man of... Records, ah, it was dangerous.
0: But he was a man of honor. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. I
1: think he would have stood by Wilhelm. It would have been interesting. It would have been interesting, too, because apparently his... The the actual successor to Franz Joseph, um, Charles, or as you like Carl, to say, Carl... Carl. Uh, I've been um, reading sources
0: his, that use the, the
1: German... Carl, and <laughs> I've read it as Charles because they anglicize it. Anyway, um... Charles the actual successor Did have Austria-Hungary bow out But the nationalist tendencies Of all the kind of countries Within Austria-Hungary Got the better of the empire And no matter what Franz Ferdinand would have done They were itching to be independent Um, You know Czechoslovakia, Poland um, Hungary, Austria You name it They all wanted to be separate countries anyway And essentially, World War One was an the excuse they could use to finally get that independence. In fact, part of the reason why why World War One, why Germany, well, basically why the, uh, uh, the, uh, why the, um, um, I guess Axis is not the right word, what do they call it? The at powers? The Central Powers, that's no. what they're called. One of the reasons why the Central Powers ended up failing in the long run was because Austria-Hungary tore itself apart. Um, because you had all these national... You basically had all these countries together under Habsburg Mm -hmm. rule, and Habsburg rule
0: collapsed. Yeah, but but had had this... Whatever the something was, waited until um, Franz Ferdinand had come into power and enacted his plan,
1: then... Perhaps you would have had a much smaller, much different war, yes. Um, It probably would not have been the war that it was. It probably would not have been... Basically impetus for basically all twenty 20th, 20th twenty. Yeah, the history. whole twenty.
0: Oh, man, when I you mean, start really, tracing the threads, um, from Sarajevo all the all the way down, it 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 just really keeps, the keeps going. but that's World history. War II, isn't it?
1: Yeah, that is history for you. I mean, yeah. technically, you could trace the history. You could trace the threads before Sarajevo too. Yes,
0: to back to the Ottoman Empire taking. Those lands, back to that battle of Kosovo. To, yes, back to the battle of Kosovo. Even further back. Even further, than that. further back than that. Yes,
1: but you know if you want to label one event that really changed 20th century history it would have been the assassination of Franz Ferdinand that sparked world war 1 which allowed communism to take root in eastern europe it also allowed nazism to take root in germany um and it and it that then led to world war 2 obviously which then led to the cold war between us and russia which you know led to most of the modern conflicts you know about today. It really was that one event that caused it all.
0: Yep. So, So, if you are listening to this on the 28th of June, 2014, um, that is 100 years to the day that the shots were fired in Sarajevo and set all of this history in motion. Um, So, So, we detail what's coming up next let's share what we've been doing the whole time.
1: So Um, what we've been doing the whole time is Connie has been drinking a wine from Austria. Yes. And I have been drinking a wine from Hungary.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So Um, we have compared um, the Austro-Hungarian Empire in terms of wine. Or at least these two portions.
1: These two portions. Um, I think
0: Austria is winning.
1: Austria is winning sorry Hungary. it's
0: a a blend wine (laughs) of different reds Um, well Hungary
1: is a straight one the hungarian wine i have is a straight white wine it's Um, just
0: it's good but it's not special
1: it's good yeah it's just that it doesn't have much i mean it's it's a good wine. it's not something i would you know poo poo or not drink again it's just not interesting
0: <laughs> oh well, sorry, oh, well. Hungary. Maybe you've got better at wines, and we just picked the wrong one. Ah, uh, I think
1: Hungary. I don't think wine. I think beer and other good things.
0: Okay, so maybe there are good <laughs> Hungarian beers that we can try for I've a later. Had very episode. good Hungarian
1: beers. I've been to Budapest. It has been a fantastic place. So
0: okay, so you would um, have. <laughs> all right. Anyway, so
1: so our next installment, which should be published on uh, July the twelfth will be about the duel between Alexander Hamilton and Aaron Burr, which happened in 1806, or uh, 208 years to the day.
0: Yep. So we'll get some more history on a nice anniversary. Sure. Um, anyway, that has been this episode's podcast. Um, if you would like to learn more about Franz Ferdinand and World War I, um you can see the show notes at um, 100centuries.com slash friends
1: And that's 100 centuries uh, spelled out, not with numbers, but with yep.
0: letters. Yeah, letters. Um, <laughs> one with the O. You'll get know, the picture. Yeah, yes. So letters, this- 100centuries.com. Yeah. And we would definitely appreciate it if you are listening on the, um, on the blog to subscribe um, to the podcast. And if you are listening on the podcast, then great. Um, Excellent. Excellent. New episodes should be every two weeks. New episodes should be every two weeks. And we would love it if you would give us a review.
1: (laughs) Of course. So this has been 100 Centuries. We are now signing off. Uh, 100 Centuries of of Human History, 100 Centuries, and more.
0: 100 Centuries and more. All right. (laughs) Bye-bye.